From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to the big event and welcome to the intro. Susan Slusser, welcome back. Thanks. It's so good to be here again. We are not going to talk about sports. <laughs> Yay. We're not going to talk about sports movies. Yay. We're going to talk about music. Even better. That's Even my favorite better. topic. So this is the bands we follow. This is the very first episode, and you and I are both going to talk about one band we follow and why we follow them, and yours is... The Jam, The Jam, yay! <laughs> I love The Jam. Awesome. The Jam, Paul Weller, The Jam, Style Council, and Paul Weller, it'll be yes, all of that. all-encompassing. What's a song to get us started? I would say Down in the Tube Station at Midnight, because it's just a, it's a rocker, but it's got a, also got a solid story. The distant echo Faraway voices boarding faraway trains to take them home to the ones that they love and who love them forever. I like it. That's a great bass line. I'm in on the jam. I'm going to talk to you about Y&T. But before we start, there's one thing I want to get to um, since we're both here. I want to urge people to subscribe to The Chronicle. And um, my pitch is that I think we're doing great work. In previous years, I've urged people to subscribe, but I did it kind of sheepishly because sometimes the paper was getting a little thinner. Sometimes my own paper wasn't arriving on my doorstep. But I think we're on a really good run lately. Very good. I think we're doing coverage that is really second to none throughout the Bay Area. And in every area, sports, uh, date book, business, and of course, local news, the investigative team, food and wine. My goodness, I don't think I could live in the barrier without our food and wine section. So I always encourage people to subscribe. And I'm not sheepish about it. I will just outright say it. We always used to subscribe to magazines, right? And everybody thought that was fine. Now everybody subscribes to Netflix and Amazon, all of that kind of stuff. You should be doing the same thing with your local newspaper for all the best coverage and to, to find out what's going on in your area. Yeah. And the, and the digital subscriptions are, are less expensive than you think. If you haven't checked out The Chronicle in a while, check it out. I think we're doing great work. And uh, that's... That's all I got to say on uh, that, our pledge drive here. Pledge drive. <laughs> pledge drive. Do we have to show some sort of documentary now? Yeah, it's a spontaneous pledge oh. drive on the big event. Let's talk about bands we follow. Here with Susan Slesser, I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is The Big Event. Welcome back to The Big Event, Susan Slesser. Um, you were here for Moneyball many weeks ago. I've been dying to get you back, and I'm just so excited you're here. I love coming to this podcast. I love podcasts in general, but I the best part is being down here in your lair in the, the Chronicle Library. It's This is the best place in the building, so it's always exciting to come down here. Yeah, and I'm, I, I'm glad you said that. Um, I actually want to talk a little bit about podcasting. You have a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher now, A's Plus. Uh, I'm a regular listener. I'm a Giants fan. I like the A's, but, you know, they're my second favorite team if, if we're allowed to have one. Um, I love your podcast. You, it's, it complements what you write on the page, but it doesn't duplicate it. This week, Sean Kelly. I don't care about Sean Kelly. He's <laughs> a middle reliever, but you asked him questions about even down to his relations with the media and things about being a middle reliever and, and just that 
I found it super interesting. And then you get into the personal side with these players. My working conditions are much different from this. Usually yeah. I'm in the dugout. One time, I can't remember which interview I was doing. It must have been one of the old old time 70s days. I was in the dugout. Oh, no, in fact, it was somebody else. It was Jonathan Lucroy, and I was talking to him in the dugout, and all of a sudden they brought this whole group of 70s A's in for a reunion kind of on the field thing, and it was like interviewing somebody in the middle of a cocktail party, a yeah. very, very loud cocktail party. But it was also kind of fun, you know, and he kind of had to explain at the beginning, like, excuse the sound yeah. level of this. You know, it's uh, Dwayne Murphy is yelling at Reggie Jackson or, you know, something like that. It was uh, so that was weird. But y- you have a really the nicest setup, I think, of all the podcasters. A's Plus, um, check it out. Even if you're not an A's fan, it's about baseball and sports, but it's also about um, these players and people, and I really like what you're doing there. Um, We're going to talk about bands we follow. I'm envisioning this as the first in a series where I get people down here talking about the bands they're obsessed with and get deep into why they're obsessed with them. I noticed on Facebook last year, you went on a little journey uh, for in, in honor of Mr. Paul Weller. Yes, my personal god, Paul Weller, from Your the jam. Personal god. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I recommend anybody that loves a band, uh, and I've always got a soft spot for anybody that loves a band because I'm a music obsessive, uh, go do a section of a tour. It doesn't have to be the whole tour, although there are certainly Weller fans who have done far more than I have. But I saw 10 shows in 12 days, 11 if you count Conan O'Brien, which we managed to sneak into. Uh, it's just uh, you get to meet so many wonderful people. That's the main thing. But also you see a lot of cool spots. So I think some of my Weller fan friends and I are, are going to like seek out the places we'd like to go. You know, he's playing in Belgium, unfortunately, in October. And I might wind up being busy in October. Yeah. But we're kind of vaguely eyeing Belgium because that would be fun drink beer all day and then go to shows at night and you get to you know get to meet the guitar techs and most of the rest of the band and you know Weller comes out every once in a while and talks to people it's just uh it's an extraordinarily fun thing to do you know like a lot of people go to different ballparks or try to see every ballpark I think it's a little bit like that except for you going with this same fairly at sometimes sizable group of people who all have the same interests you know you bring up the ballparks and I think about um destination restaurants there are restaurants that you'll travel to go see destination ballparks there's ballparks that you know my wife and i for our 15th anniversary planned following the giants round and we ended up in pittsburgh to see the giants pittsburgh Pittsburgh was awesome i loved the best the town i loved i find myself defending pittsburgh when people find out that's how we spent our romantic 15th anniversary loved pittsburgh and i feel that way about bands too i think there are certain bands like i'm fans of a lot of bands um if you're gonna go follow around van halen you're gonna see the exact same show arena to arena but i think there are certain bands that lend themselves to following there's something about it and i wanted to ask you about that what what makes a good band to follow you can talk about paul weller but just in general what do you think is different about him well one of the best things i think is it's almost better to have a band that you love or a musician you love who's a little smaller scale Uh, i am sort of lucky and cursed in the fact that i I constantly have to explain to people who paul weller is they they go peter weller i saw that he was great in that movie yeah (laughs) um or you say the jam nobody knows who the jam are so i always have to go kind of like the clash only way 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 better you know it's just It's such a small group here. You can go and, you know, every one of those 10 concerts last year, my buddies and I were all right up front against the stage. Now, there's 
there's usually 50 to 100 hardcore, even if you've got a fairly uh, somebody with a smaller size following. There's going to be hardcores, so you got to be there early still. But then that winds up, you get this sense of camaraderie and all that. But I would definitely say, you know, if you know, as you, I think you remember, my husband's uh, musical uh, taste runs to Bruce Springsteen and Taylor Swift. Yeah, you are not going to find that. I think following Taylor Swift no. around. I mean, maybe there's probably hardcores that follow her around and you get to know them and stuff. You're not going to be up front every time. You're not going to get to know the band. Probably you're not going to get to know the guitar techs and uh, the PR guys. I mean, we, by the end of that trip, we knew literally. I'm Facebook friends with Paul Weller's sister and his guitar tech now, which yeah. uh, I don't think you're going to get for somebody bigger. So a, a middle or lower level of, of uh, uh, popularity. I, I think you've hit on it with the size of the venue because the nature of an arena show is there's lighting, there's a lot of people working in synchronicity with each other. And I've heard bands talk about it. I've heard Rush talk about it. We have to decide you know, before the tour starts, what rarity we're going to play, because there's a lot that goes into this. I, I think there's a lot more flexibility with those mid-sized bands. Right. So. And that's the, Weller was mostly playing film. I played the Fillmore. He played the UC Theater. It was places like like that throughout, which was great, the Wiltern in LA. Uh, and us, there are a sizable number because the jam was huge in the UK. I mean, massive, you know, yeah. 20 number one hits and uh, every album platinum. Uh, the a lot of hardcore English fans come to here uh-huh. for these tours because this is where they can see the band up and cl- close and personal. They can't do that. He's playing huge arenas and you know the O2 and stuff like that in in England. So that's kind of fun. The loveliest people I think on the whole tour, this older older British couple named Janet and Carl, and he's seen Paul Weller in all different ar- incarnations more than a hundred times, and they come to the U.S. all the time in Japan. And they went to Australia for the, the smaller venues. Cool. Well, this is a storytelling series. So you're going to tell your Paul Weller story. I may interrupt you or ask a clarifying question, but this is your story to shape. And then I'm going to tell you about my band that I follow, Oakland-based hard rock band Y&T. So um, you're going to go first. Are you Well, ready? it might be a while. You know, you can give me like the cutoff <laughs> if I start going on too long. You, I don't know no. if you know what you're getting into here because... I can talk about Paul Weller for all day. All day. So I went on exchange after high school. Between high school and college, I was on an exchange program, and I went to a girls' boarding school in England. And at that point, I was obsessed with the Kinks. Everyone knows the Kinks. You really got me, Lola, et cetera, et cetera. That was my band. So one day, the, um, the sort of bad girl in my boarding house, Kirsty Jones, uh, came over and said, hey, I, I hear you You really love the kinks. And I, and I said, oh, yeah, and you know, started ch- chatting about the kinks. And she said, you know, if, if you like the kinks, you know about the jam. And I said, no, I, who are they? And she said, oh, you'll love them. And uh, we went, she put on uh, all my cons. And about 20 sec- seconds into To Be Someone, I was like, that's it. This is, this is my band. I've been looking for this band my whole, like I knew. Uh, and I ran out the, the next day and got everything they you know, on cassette tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Kirsty said, like, oh, well, they, they broke up last year. So oh. <laughs> I know. I was crushed. It was like that, you know, give, give you a little taste and then take it away. So my whole life has sort of been chasing this band that does not exist. Uh, <laughs> but he started the Style Council right after that. And they were there. I love the Style Council. Um in fact, I, I the, every Jam album, especially the last four, I think, are all brilliant from start to finish. Amazing. I love the albums. But my favorite Weller songs tend to be Style Council songs. Um, my favorite Changing Moods, Shout to the Top. Mm, I was hopping, man, I was hopping, need, and as the rain came down, 
performances, and then he's had a long, long solo career, of course, uh, too. So it's been interesting, but I still, you know, it's the jam. Yeah. That, I, that is my true, true love. But yeah, I did the tour last year with some of my jam fan friends. I've some of one of my very best friends is a, a fan I met. We were the first two people in line in LA a few years ago. We started talking and all our musical interests, her name's Sarah, we uh right down the line, everything exactly the same except for her besides Weller, her all time sort of favorite was Bowie and mine obviously was the Kinks. So um, yes, you have a question for me. Yeah, describe this tour. I'm sorry. So, yeah. what kind of planning goes into this? I'm, I'm guessing there's some logistics going on. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, I was lucky because it was in October and the A's weren't in the playoffs. Uh, and uh, as a sports writer, I have lots of hotel points and you know airline miles and stuff, so it's pretty easy for me. I could just kind of go somewhere at the drop of a hat, which is nice. Uh, but uh, I knew when when we saw the California tours, the, there were three shows in the Bay Area, four shows in SoCal, that that would be easy. But then my friend Bo, who lives in LA, said, hey, if you come with me to Vancouver in Seattle, and there were two shows in Vancouver and one in Seattle, he said, we can take the train and I will buy your tickets. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I can't. I mean, as a Paul Weller fan, I'm not going to ever turn down free tickets to see yeah. Paul Weller. So I know, okay. And that was great. And take, I got to say, taking the train from Vancouver to Seattle, that, that alone was spectacular. So uh, that took a little bit more planning, you know? Yeah. You, you need to have your passport. Uh, but besides that, uh, yeah, it was pretty great. Um, we had to pull some strings to get Conan O'Brien tickets in L.A., but it was pretty smooth sailing, I've got to say. Um, but so I also did uh, three years ago, four years ago, there was a, an exhibit about the jam in London uh, at a place called Somerset House, which is right on the Thames, right near the Houses of Parliament, a huge fancy building, an incredible exhibit. And I went to the middle of the baseball season, but I uh, wheedled my way into a weekend off. Mm-hmm. And I flew there for the gala opening. My friend Mike Wogelander used to work at the Chronicle, uh, works for the New York Times in London, and he came with me along with my friend Dave Waldstein, who works at the New York Times and was there for Wimbledon. And we went to this amazing, amazing exhibit. And when I saw my friend Sarah, the next time I said, oh, this exhibit was amazing, too bad you didn't see it, they then had the exhibit the next year in Liverpool, and they tripled the size. It was like football seat, like a huge warehouse, just full of jam memorabilia. The guy that does it is... I mean, I think I'm obsessive. He he puts me to shame. So Sarah and I went. We took a week, and uh, we spent some time in London, but we spent a, a great deal of time in Liverpool at this exhibit and got to know a, even a lot more people and um, ran into a friend of mine, weirdly, from high school who I hadn't seen since I was 13, who was there playing with his band because it was Beatles week. Sarah and I were in Liverpool for Beatles week. We didn't even realize it was Beatles week because we were so focused just on the jam. So we found lots of different venues for uh, for our love of the jam and Paul Weller. So you mentioned your Paul Weller fan friends. Is this something, I mean, you're around sports people all the time. You're married to Dan Brown of the San Jose Mercury News. I'm sure you're talking about sports and your jobs. Is there something attractive about having this other group of people in this band to follow because it's different than what you're doing day to day? Very much so. Uh, in fact, I can't. A couple times people have said to me, you should write about music. You know, you love music so much. And I've thought, I, I kind of feel this way about hockey sometimes, too, even though I do write hockey now and then. You, when it's your job, it loses a little bit of its luster, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you got to be there. This is, but this is just pure 
love and passion. And it is nice to be with a group of people who I'm not going to have to answer essentially trivia questions all night or talk about the ins and outs of rotations or the collective bargaining agreement or things like that. I, I just get to talk about music and you know, normal everyday things. And these are all, you know, if you, if you love the jam, you tend to like uh, similar bands to that too. So we're all people that sort of go to all of the same show. I'm going later this month, I'm going to see, going to LA to see Majeur from Ultravox with Sarah. So uh, yeah, it's, it sort of uh, grows and grows. You, you get so much more out of it than just what you, you might initially think. So give me some highlights from this journey. Uh, last, last, uh, October was it? Um... Well, I nearly got in a fist fight in Sacramento, so <laughs> so that was good. You know, a sort of a late comer, drunk late comer, try to muscle his way up front. Bo went to up to the bar to get some drinks, and yeah. uh, when he stepped out to go get some drinks, this guy tried to take his spot, and I was not having that, Peter. I was not. Yeah, I know you. you I, I know am you're not, not having that. I'm not having that. If so. I was in that scenario. <laughs> I would have helped you, but I would have warned him first. That's you what everyone probably... up there was like. Oh, no, you picked the wrong spot, buddy. Do not mess with Susan. So, yeah, his stay up front was pretty short. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we ran into, you know, it was interesting. Uh, like the, you never know what you're going to get. The Anaheim show uh, at the House of Blues in Anaheim was really kind of dead, which was the only one on the, but it was weird. It was a, it was kind of a poorly run venue. Sorry to say that. Uh, Anaheim House of Blues. Uh, it just wasn't. Uh, just wasn't a great show and the crowd was strange maybe it was an oc thing uh, then we went to the house of blue and blues in san diego the very next night and kind of thought like oh maybe this is going to be a little bit of a dud again fantastic probably the best show uh, of that it's very tiny the house of blues in san diego so it was really it was extra in- intimate and the it just phenomenal uh, and for the special shows like many artists who've been around for a long time Weller will bring out you know extra songs that he hadn't played planned on playing or sit and do like a little acoustic set and he did that there because it had such a great vibe but he has said that the show at the Fillmore last October might be his favorite gig he's played anywhere at any time that one was just outrageously great Tell me, tell me, do you see differences that, that, like, if I went and saw a Paul Weller show, I might not? Yeah, it's kind of funny if you see the same, essentially the same band night after night for a couple of weeks. You do notice when they have changes to songs. Obviously, you, you notice the set list, but uh, you, you notice when they even make, you know, his Paul's guitarist, Steve Craddock, loves changing things up and would from, you know, and I would, like, do little different solos and little different tweaks here and there. That's fun. But the Fillmore show, uh, my favorite part of the whole tour was we were sitting there waiting in line early as we always do about maybe 20 of us um and about noon the uh the band came walking in but one of the one of the other fans brian lane who lives in cleveland um had his acoustic guitar out and we were all singing and playing jam and style council songs and the band walked by not not with paul but just the rest of them they they started kind of clapping i thought maybe a little bit sarcastic but i think they kind of enjoyed it and about 10 minutes later the bassist andy cross who's also the lead singer and lead guitarist of the moons if anyone knows the moons came back out and he said hey mate can i uh, borrow your guitar and he stood there on the sidewalk outside the Fillmore and played moons songs for us on brian lane's acoustic guitar for about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, mm-hmm. buses pulling up behind him. You've been to the Fillmore. Oh, yeah. The buses pulling up. Distant planet wanderer. 
street people walking by a couple of people kept trying to like put dollars like he didn't have a like thinking he's a busker no no he's a very well-known popular musician <laughs> just standing there playing this guy we've got it all on video oh it's fantastic but that's that tells you you know the band was so gracious and they know the regulars and kind of take care of the regulars keep an eye out for it um but you know it's it's just kind of one of those it's very uh free-flowing kind of things it's wonderful are you recognized i mean i would think show after show after show after show and you're probably getting there early near the front is paul weller like oh yeah susan <laughs> he does doesn't he definitely kind of recognizes the regulars but he doesn't know our names but he says yeah. you know well he does know some people's names because there are some people that have been doing this for 30 years you yeah. know that he knows but um you know he'll be like oh i know you two from up front or you had that shirt on or that kind of thing the first time i met him in la six or seven years ago, uh, I couldn't get any words out. I just kind of stood there. I mean, it's funny. I talked to professional athletes. I've covered Shaq, you know, in yeah. Shaq's prime. I Athletes do not uh, at one bit impress me, but musicians are different. And then Paul Weller, I just, I, like, I kind of just went and got my photo taken and then um, was ashamed for the rest of the day. And then the last time I was like, I'm going to ask him something. So I asked him why he never plays the slow piano version of my ever-changing moods, which is my favorite song of his and he said i don't really like it (laughs) well it's my favorite song thanks but um you know i'll take any version that's fine paul we chit chat a little he was very nice except for not liking my favorite version of my favorite song i i think (laughs) i think and i'm sorry for that i'm sorry i want to i want to commiserate with you i was not crushed i was fine um i think it's an interesting thing with both of us because we both talk to famous people as part of our jobs um I'm the exact same way, sometimes with the weirdest people. Um, hmm. Local stars like Jan Yonahiro and Richard Hart from Evening Magazine are trying to schedule them to come into the big event. I will be tongue-tied around them because they were doing the local Evening Magazine news show, and I grew up watching them, and I have this connection. And I have this group of people like that who, like Judy Bloom. If Judy Bloom oh, was yeah. here, I wouldn't know what to say i mean i'd have to prepare three times as much and still be tongue-tied um there's just certain people like that who and i think it's interesting because i interview you know i've interviewed bruce willis and the rock and 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 some musicians i really admire you know members of metallica you know who i kind of to an extent grew up with but it's a little different when it's someone who maybe you had a poster on your bedroom wall. Right, yeah. yeah. No, and I it's so outside my realm of experience, too, with musicians. I kind of, you know, I go to tons of shows, and I listen to music constantly, but uh, I'm just now learning. I play the guitar, uh, the piano I learned when I was a kid, but I'm just now learning to play the guitar um, since last November after I was kind of inspired by Andy Crofts coming out and playing Brian's guitar. I was like, I, yeah. I'm going to learn how to do this myself so I can have somebody come take my guitar in line. Um, and I have an even greater appreciation now, but I also feel like I speak the language a little bit better. That's uh-huh. part of it is I kind of feel like I don't, I'm like I'm a pretender really. I appreciate it, but I don't really know what goes into it. Now I'm starting to feel like I, I know a little bit more what goes into And I'm even more blown away. Yeah, It's way harder than I thought. And I, I always thought it was incredibly hard. Well, I, I want to get a kind of introduction so that people who don't know our bands can get an entryway. What are some songs that you would use to introduce this artist to people who maybe don't know that much about Paul Weller? Well, uh, since I'm a big jam fan, I think most people, well, some people, if you listen to XM or something, you might know Town Called Malice, which uh, gets played a lot in movies. It was in Billy Elliot, uh, which popped up in Sing Street a couple years ago. Uh, So I think people know Town Called Malice, which is on the jam's last album, The Gift. 
Um, Down in the Tube Station at Midnight is a really interesting song by the Jam. I think it's it's very literary. It's kind of a little bit like the Kinks, which is one of the reasons I love the Jam. Is there's there's some storytelling. There's a lot about class distinctions, class warfare, and politics and things like that. This is one of those songs that it's a specific story, and it's kind of a sad story. A guy goes down the tube station, essentially gets beat up and murdered. <laughs> but it's a very long uh, and uh, very interesting. The lyrics are phenomenal, uh, and it's just a great song, too. So I, I definitely would recommend. Uh, the, as I said before, the Jam's albums are all uh, just wonderful, and uh, Setting Suns is thematic about three friends who – are very idealistic as as they're young and then they kind of part ways and they have their dreams crushed by the end of the album there's more a little uplifting here and there that I'm making it sound like but those are all interesting and then the style council just wrote the albums are spotty but the you know my ever-changing moods and shout to the top and head start for happiness and um things like that some of those songs are just absolutely gorgeous and and uh paul weller's wildwood and stanley road from his for two of his first two solo albums are uh some of the all-time best-selling albums in england it's obviously very popular give me a couple tracks off his solo albums because i know a little bit about the jam and style council but i've totally missed out on the solo well wildwood the the title track from wildwood is a beautiful song uh and his they're both wildwood and stanley road are both a little bit about where he's from in england which is woking it's a suburb of london and he's got this sort of um he's always sort of had a little bit of angst about it being a suburbanite and growing up in the suburbs during the time where uh, london was such a vital music center and there was so much you know punk was going on and stuff and they when they would go into London, they kind of felt like they were the posers going in. And he's got a little bit of that yin and yang, but uh, he loves his hometown uh, and uh, likes to write a little bit about sort of the bucolic settings. And so uh, Wildwood is a good one. Um, cause I, it reminds me a little bit of the jam from the floorboards up, which uh, about six or seven years ago is a real kind of rocker stomper, but it's, there's so much like the, the catalog is so vast it's really hard to pick out uh you know it's a journey so much. it is it's a journey it really is it's uh there's a lot of great stuff yeah. and it's he varies his styles he like for a while he was it almost sounded like neil young for a while then for a while he was in psychedelia he's always loved r&b so whatever your uh interests are he's probably done something that reflects it yeah it's fun listening to you talk as a fan because i think you write for fans and you you know, have a professional quality to everything that you do. And then to I'm a hear professional you, fan. <laughs> to hear you excited about this, um, it, it's a different kind of way. And you're excited about baseball. I don't want to take that yeah, away. I but, do love baseball. But it's measured. And this is uh, this is different. Yeah, so. no, I'm, I'm, I'm about as hardcore as you get. My, he's my personal god. Yeah. Well, I, I have a couple more questions later, but can I talk to you a little bit about Y&T? I would love to because I've seen Y&T. They played my high school in 1981. What? Yes. What? Yeah. Tell me about that. I don't know how it happened. They like Once a year, there was some committee that would bring in a band for a concert. We had Snail one year. Do you remember Snail? I think they were from Santa Cruz. They had an yeah. a, a album or two. We had the Medflies a couple <laughs> of times. Loved the Medflies. But Y&T was the biggest get because I think they just had – a song on the radio for like their first yeah. hit was just sort of starting to get played, which maybe explains why they were playing at yeah. Robert Louis Stevenson High School. But uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I was actually my parents had uh, um, uh, taken away all my privileges for something or other. I had been a, a very naughty girl at some point and uh, wasn't supposed <laughs> to go out. And I somehow managed to sneak out and see Y and T. That's so it was a pretty big deal. 
That was uh, the Earthshaker album, which was our first kind of big album, and it had uh, Dirty Girl and Rescue Me, I think. Rescue Me, I think it just come out. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't going to miss that, even though I was grounded. I saw them opening for one of the, I I don't know if it was a Day on the Green or a Monsters of Rock tour, but it was a bunch of hard rock bands and they were like the fourth band and they were opening. And I remember not intentionally paying much attention, not planning to pay that much attention, but I noticed them and I noticed they were really good live. Um, I had heard a couple of their songs on the radio. This is probably somewhere between 85 and 88. And I'd heard a couple of their songs on the radio and they didn't connect with me, but live... Um, Dave Menachetti, the the guitar player, and and um, Lenny Hayes, the drum drummer. I remember seeing them and just thinking they were really good live and giving it an effort. And I moved a little closer and watched them. But I I wasn't like I don't even think I ran out and bought a YMT album. I just made a little mental note like, oh, these guys better than I thought, you know. So years pass and. <laughs> um, you know, I, I go through a lot of different band phases. I go through the 90s and, you know, from Nirvana up to my Radiohead phase and um, hard rock. I, I've i always enjoyed it kind of nostalgically, but I not something I seek out unless it's for work and I'm reviewing something. I'm not going to go to a Van Halen concert on my own. Um, friend of mine, my friend Ayn, one of my two best friends, is a Y&T fan, and he takes me to a show or two, you know, hey, I'm going to go see Y&T. I start to really like him. I see him live, and part of it is that they're growing older now. This is the 2000s, probably beginning of the 2000s when I start seeing them, and a lot of other bands that I'm going out to see in this area, like we see Motley Crue, and the guitar player can barely stand up. Um, (laughs) You see Van Halen, and, you know, Eddie Van Halen still plays really well but David Lee Roth is passing the mic to the fans because he can't hit the notes anymore and it was almost clinical the way Y&T just kept putting on a show like I had seen in 85 or 88 it hadn't changed and I started paying more attention to the the records and what I realized was that um, you know they're a band that never made it big I don't know what that means they never made it to superstardom but they've been able to tour and continually have a fan base but the problem that I can tell as far as I can tell the problem is that they put out all these records with producers in their ear telling them how this record should sound and Summertime Girls is one of their big hits and there's this horrible video with like you know they're wearing fluorescent shorts and you can just tell somebody involved with videos telling them, you know, make it like uh, David Lee Roth's Just a Gigolo, you know, and, and really trying to give them this image with each album. So the albums, I, I, I wouldn't tell you to go out and buy an album. I'd tell you to go out and see them live because the albums don't reflect what I saw on stage that day. Um, so I liked them and I'm liking them more. Um, the turnaround, though, where I became, this became the band I follow, was, uh, I actually have the date here. It was... Wow, this is momentous. Friday, March 4th, 2014. I'm at spring training, so I'm in Tempe um, with my friends Greg and Ayn, who are my two college buddies, my best friends. We go every year to spring training. I've written a lot about that. 
Um, and we try to go during the tournament, the NCAA tournament. So Cal Poly, if they beat Northridge, is going to be in the NCAAs for the first time ever. And that's my alma mater. This is a huge deal. So we get these Y&T tickets for, I don't even know where, my friend Ian got them. Watch this Cal Poly game, figuring we're like going to run to the Y&T show and hope we get there before the openers are off. Cal Poly wins. And Greg and I, both the Cal Poly guys, are like drinking heavily. I mean, we're drinking probably five or six beers in. I, I, I weigh about 160, so that's, you know, it's a lot. Um, I'm not in a good state. Get in a lift and uh, or a cab. I don't know. There may not have been lifts then. And go to our venue, which was 901 McClintock. That's all we knew. So we tell the cabbie, 901 McClintock. Uh, doesn't speak a little bit of a language barrier, drives side streets, camelback uh, between Tempe and Scottsdale, and pulls up to a strip club. <laughs> and we're livid. We're like, no, we're going to the YNT show, 901 McClintock. And he's like, I, I'm not going to do his accent, but he's like, this is 901 McClintock, this 901 McClintock. And I'm like, and we're going back and forth with him that you've taken us to a strip club. We think that he's conned us, like the strip club's pay the cabbies to take <laughs> young men or middle-aged men to the strip club and then we see this light in the back there's like the strip club pink glow of their neon sign elite cabaret and then in the back <laughs> there's this other glow we're like oh my god we're in the right place there's a y&t show at, at the strip club it's like in the parking lot in the back of a strip club there's actually sort of a quasi venue there um <laughs> I think it's an area that's used for outdoor stripping, but you can also have a show there. There's a couple of... Um, I have uh, so many questions at this point. Container. <laughs> there, it was between like two, you know, like the containers at the port. Like those were stacked up and the shows between that. There's outdoor stripping? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the strip club element of this. I just know that we go in the back of this strip club. And then there's this, all these radio station signs up. And we've made it. We thought we were late, but we've made it. The show hasn't started. So probably 450 people there. Um, I'd say half of them are Y&T fans, like pretty clean cut, middle aged like us wearing a Y&T shirt. I would say remaining 25% are people who just wandered in from the strip club. I mean, <laughs> they have that that kind of strip club look. And then the remaining quarter were like the really hardcore Y&T fans, which scare me a little. Mostly guys, um, almost all guys. I remember they had two porta potties that you could use as a bathroom, men's and women's. The men just commandeered the women's because, you know, not a lot of women there. So we wait. Y&T takes the stage and opens up with Rescue Me. Well, I want you, I want you to rescue me. Um, we're loving it. Probably 50, a minute into the show, 50 seconds into the show, the sound drops. I mean, just whatever strip club audio is going on here <laughs> with the radio station uh, drops. I mean, the sound totally drops um, for about 15 seconds, but it seemed like a minute. Dave Menachetti and the rest of the band, um, none of the original members at this any point, but they're really good players, while the sound is dropped, do not panic. Do not change a beat. 
they continue playing. Like he's doing a guitar solo that no one can hear with metal face, you know, yeah, rescue me, but we can't hear anything and continues to play for 15 seconds until the sound comes back on. Wow. Yeah. And then the sound comes back on and he wasn't even startled. He just like continues with the solo and I think he heard it. He knew it was going on because, you know, you could tell like between songs, there's some chatter going on and people are kind of panicking a little bit, but just keeps playing. Ah, it's a pro. It's a pro. So the rest of the show, um, kind of a sparse crowd. I am sure he's like, God, you know, why do we come here? Or this isn't working out. The same thing happens like every third or fourth song. And he does the same thing. And it's almost like it's a challenge. <laughs> um, it's almost like every time this happens, like he's going to play a little harder and then come out of it and play a little harder. Played the full set. One of the greatest shows I've seen. I mean, the sound wasn't good, but there was this like almost like triumph of human spirit element of it. Like, you know, this is this is a hurdle. This is someone who's been touring for 40 years. At that point, I think I bought a baseball cap. And by the way, I wasn't planning to buy a baseball cap, but I'm like, yeah. you're going to keep playing in these conditions. I'm going to buy some of your merch, Y&T. Absolutely. Continues to play till the end. And then the radio people and whoever's associated with this show come out at the end of the show, he's waving, doesn't apologize, doesn't get mad. I mean, so many people that I've seen would have stormed off stage yeah. after the first song. Takes photos, does photo ops with the radio people at this show Aww. that was a total cluster F, and comes off the stage. And I was just like, I am in for Y&T, for life. I think I might be going to see Y&T, I love that. So here's what I've learned since. Um, Dave Menachetti, uh, I, I saw him at a Sammy Hagar show where he was going to do the songs of Montrose and it was at that America's Cup pavilion. And, um, I'm like, how are they going to do the songs of Montrose without Ronnie Montrose? But Dave Menachetti is like this musician's musician, like Bill Burr and, um, you know, Doug Stanhope are comics comics. He's like this guy that people a lot more renowned than him really respect. And he showed up to do these Ronnie Montrose songs and did the Ronnie Montrose parts. And it was perfect. He sounded great. It was like, but he had this kind of reverential look on his face. And it's okay because it's Dave Menachetti. So I've, I've learned that he's really respected. I've also learned his wife, Jill, is the manager. She's been the manager of the band for some time. They have a wine label. And um, she's also an author. She wrote Welcome to the Groove House. It's a fictionalized version of what it's like to travel around with the band. Um, they lost band members, and I always was like, oh, they got rid of Lenny Hayes, but then, uh, you know, the new band members would come in, and I realized he's probably just wants people there who are playing at his level, and I just think of this guy like almost like this athlete that, again, now we're getting close to 45 years into it, is playing at this high level, and I know he's working really hard behind the scenes and taking this seriously, and it just makes me like him even more. Last thing I'll say... You mentioned different venues. They play the Fillmore every year. And before Joey Alvis, the original guitarist, and Lenny Hayes died, both of them died recently, they would have them come up on stage and play a couple songs. The Fillmore show always has a really good opening act, and then they'll invite band members that were formerly in the band and let them play a few songs, which the fans love. I love seeing that. Um, and then there are other shows. He does the Beach Boardwalk every year, and that's outdoors, and you can go ride the Giant Dipper and watch Y&T at the Boardwalk. Free show. Um, they're playing the Cornerstone now. And then Mystic Theater in Petaluma, that's like 
a really special show for them. They consider it like a home venue, and they came out with a live album there. So everywhere I go, the shows are a little different. Um, go with my friend Ayn. And YNT, I hope I explained it. I just I, I want to I really want to see them now, but I'm going to be disappointed if I do not see them in an outdoor venue at a strip club. <laughs> no, that's not the place to see them. <laughs> and I've actually I blogged about that story once, and I'm betting Jill's just like, why do you keep talking about the strip club show? You know, it's probably something they want to forget, and they they do really well at the Fillmore. I mean, it's not like they're struggling or anything, but it was this show at a outdoor all right well i'm going to see ynt with you at the fillmore and you're going to have to come see weller at the fillmore with me and we'll hope that andy cross come out comes out and plays my guitar i would love to do that um that's one thing i want to get out of this podcast and i want this to be a series is um people appreciating bands through our appreciation of bands so a couple more questions um first of all who do you think we should invite i'm thinking in the chronicle who has that kind of band devotion that you know of I think Killian, she has... She does, yeah. She loves the Avid Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, she would be good. Um, I mean, I know he doesn't work here anymore, but the, one of my all-time favorite stories ever written about band obsession was Delphin Vigil writing about his deep and abiding love for Echo and the Bunnymen. I can't even hear them without thinking about oh, that's him. That's awesome. Yeah, it was an extraordinary date book, uh, Sunday date book story just about how... Same, same thing kind of with me. I related because it was like, nobody knows who they are. And, you know, in the... After their sort of their heady days in the late 80s, yeah. in the 90s, nobody knew who they were. So he was writing about seeing them at like the cattle club in Sacramento, and it was him and, you know, a couple other people. And so you get to, like, he got to know Ian McCullough because he was like one of the only people <laughs> there in the crowd. So if you can track him down, man, he loves it. I'm Bunny due man. to track uh, Del Vigil down. This whole podcast studio was inspired by Del, who I, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but with his band, um, brought one instrument at a time down to the Chronicle basement and recorded an entire album. It was like Shawshank Redemption. Like he'd bring a cord down <laughs> in his pant leg or whatever. I don't know. They brought an entire like recording studio down here and recorded an album, I assume on weekends or late at night because you would hear it during the day. But you could do that down here in the basement. Was it like a El- Echo and the Bunnymen tribute? band I don't, I don't think so i really I, want to hear that i i, I gotta I, I don't want to get it wrong but i know that he did that and i thought that was the coolest thing and when i put this podcast together i wanted to do some experimentation i wanted to kind of do it out on my own without people looking at me so i did kind of something similar i i got benny evangelista to tell me where all the podcast equipment was i set up a little studio down here and learned to use garage band and kind of learned to use the mics and stuff like that and that was totally inspired by dell so I'm going to shout out Dell from you and me because yeah. he's a good dude. Um, next, I, I have a series of last questions. Yes. Next question, what you would do for your band? And I'm, you know, it can go from, would you take a bullet for Paul Weller oh, in definitely. a type of situation? You would. Definitely, yes. Well, I have always told everybody, and anybody who knows me will not be surprised if and when this happens, although Paul always says it won't happen. If the jam reformed, yeah. I would quit my job and follow them around. So, so sorry, <laughs> sorry, Audrey and Al. <laughs> Does Dan know this? Dan oh yeah, Brown, your yeah, husband? Dan. I mean, he would. He'd be like, "Oh, uh, did they just announce it? Goodbye." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody that knows me, and that like nobody would be. Sarah and I would be off, and yeah, we nobody would ever see us again. And and you know, until the band came through town. That's awesome. So yeah, that's my that's my plan. It's probably not the the most financially um, responsible plan, but that's what I would do. Yeah. I, I don't know that I would take a bullet for Dave Menachetti. And sorry, Dave, if, <laughs> if you're listening or Jill. Um, I have 
responsibilities, my children. I'm yeah. thinking about like college. You don't have kids. That makes it easier to take a bullet for. Yeah. For so I don't know if I do that, but I would like any time he needed a ride to the airport from anywhere. Like, call me at two in the morning. I will come pick you up in Hayward and get you. To, and if it's at SFO or Sacramento, I would get you that ride. Well, that's pretty good. Hey, yeah. after hearing about him, I'd be willing to do that. Yeah, no. And um, I would, uh, I'm trying to think what else. Um, I don't know. I, it, help him move? Help him move. Yeah. yeah. I'd help him move uh, heavy things. I'm 48. I shouldn't be lifting things, but I'd put you my back at risk. You would. That's a, that's a good yeah. fan. Help him move. Um, trying to think what else. I don't know. I'd wash his car. I mean, I wouldn't want to do something really menial. I'd like him to come out and chat with me. Right. But I'd wash the tour van or whatever. I would I would spend a day doing that, and I would detail it. That seems reasonable. So, so Weller has little kids. He's got, like, mad, like zillions of kids um, from ages, you know, like 30 down to, like, a newborn practically. And I don't have kids. I would babysit. Yeah. So that's pretty, for me, that would be pretty. I, I wouldn't really know what I'm doing. I wouldn't <laughs> leave kids with me. But if he needed a babysitter or something like that, I would okay. be. That's be real careful to make sure bullet they're alive. Would, bullet would probably be better, really. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Susan, for coming. And one more time, um, subscribe to The Chronicle. Yes, definitely subscribe to The Chronicle. Uh, we have so much to offer you. Our baseball coverage is outstanding. Obviously, our date book yeah. coverage is fantastic. And, and we have great podcasts, yeah. too. So if you like listening, also read. Read, listen, chronicle, going into the 21st century. Thank you, Susan, for coming. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Darling, it's 2 a.m. It's time for closing. The cops, they're all sideways. And I think Aaron's broken. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to my guest, Susan Slesser. Executive producer is Fernando Diaz. And our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album, Community. Read our columns and subscribe to The Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. San Francisco Chronicle podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S. Oh, 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 o